The other two masterminds who you will meet in this episode are practicing, traditionally practicing therapists, where I, the third mastermind, am a non-traditionally practicing therapist, all right? I'm a psychoeducationalist, a general social work practitioner, all right? Um, Just an MSW holder, so no, I don't take clients. Um, I'm not licensed or clinical like one of our masterminds is. I am an educator and entertainer, better known as an edutainer. But before we get carried away, let's make sure we ground this baby. Grounding, for anyone who doesn't know, in therapy is where you become present wherever you are. And we do that every episode here on this podcast at the intro. Um, If you would like, I invite you to close your eyes. If you are driving, please neglect that invite. But for all others, with eyes closed or open, Take a moment to be here with me. Really hear my voice. Feel your feet. Wiggle your toes. Ooh, and these warm Uggs. Thank you, God. Touch your nose. And you're just doing all of that silliness to remind yourself that you're really, really here. Breathe a breath in. Blow a breath out. Do that one more time in through your nose and out through your mouth. And with the clear head, just take a moment to own this. The miracle we call life. That you are winning and living just by having this life. And just by spending this time with my voice right now, you are investing into your betterment. Sit with that and feel proud. And let's go up. Let us, let us, let us really go up. So, like I said, the masterminds Mitsun Okada and Irvin Counselor will be joining us uh, in this episode but I'm going to record some parts around it. Um, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So having the masterminds on, the mental health specialists with me on this episode, I think is very important. Very important. And um, let's get right into it. Break it down. Break it down is where we uncover the already existing genius in hip hop. Culture. We usually do this by explicating rap lyrics, and today that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Last year, one year ago, uh, not to the day, but to the month one year ago, Kendrick Lamar put out his final TDE album. It is called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. This project felt groundbreaking because he brought therapy to the hood. Long story short, on my AMP show where the Love Lounge uh, is held on the app called AMP, we talked about Crown and played the song a few weeks back. And the loves in the room that day 
felt really blessed by the explication that um, I gave. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, an explication is an explanation, if you will, of a publication, if you will. I know that's not exactly what the word means, but it might make it mnemonic for you to remember. Um, explicating poems and lyrics help you discover meaning um, within the words and the lines there. Um, where Crown was concerned, I thought that it was the ballsiest song on Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. On a completely hip-hop album, Kendrick throws in a folky, country-esque track where he's singing. Kendrick is not a singer-singer, but he is singing the entire time. There is no drums. There's no bass. These things are usually integral pieces of hip-hop music. He took all of the distraction out. One instrument left for most of the song, which is a piano. And he speaks, saying, you walk around like everything is in control. Favor comes with favors, and you can't say no. You go out the way to make the coin available. That's what I call love. The closest one's afraid to say they need some time. The turnaround is life or death, but you don't mind. Go out the way to make, excuse me, go out the way to say you made the compromise. That's what I call love. From my perspective, that entire verse can easily describe gang life and gang culture. You want things to be in control so badly especially when you probably join a gang to gain some sense of control for living in a household that you are sure you do not have control in. Whether there's abuse there, whether there's an alcoholic father, whether there's a non-present in some way, shape, or form mother, you feel lonely. And it's way cooler to say you feel angry than it is to say you feel lonely, especially if you're a Black man in a mad city. And you're a good kid. So what you would rather do is align yourself with folks that say everything is all love. Yet, if that quote-unquote love isn't felt, the turnaround is life or death. That's what some call love. Continuing with Kendrick's lyrics, but the time it'll come to not be there when somebody needs you. You say no, and all you have done, all the yeses, give them amnesia. So one thing I've learned, love can change with the seasons. And I can't please everybody. No, I can't please everybody. He almost asks a question, wait, you can't please everybody? And answers, no, I can't please everybody. I think this verse talks to celebrity and fandom. They idolize and praise your name across the nation. Tap the feed and nod the head for confirmation. Promise that you keep the music in rotation. Well, that's what I call love. But the time it'll come to not be there when somebody needs you. 
You say no, and all that you've done gives them amnesia. Well, one thing I've learned, love can change with the seasons. But you can't please everybody. I can't please everybody. And I remember stopping several times throughout the song as we played it on amp, and I said, but that's not real love. Love never changes with the seasons. Love is more like the sun shining through each season. It's always there. It's a constant in a formula. It doesn't get replaced. It's a second to none need. It's a necessity. It's oxygen to mammals. It's carbon dioxide to plants. Love is love. And it doesn't change with seasons. And as you start to look at certain love in your life that seems to come with condition, it seems to come with stipulation, it seems to come with groupthink. If you're in any form of this in your life, religious, economic, political, or otherwise, anything, where your necessity to agree is grounds for whether you stay a part of the group or not. I want to offer to you, once again, love is a constant. It is not a stipulation. Some people, I said this in Amp the other night and I had to keep it for myself. Some people only love your color when you color inside of their lines. I guarantee you, the folks that quote-unquote love you that way aren't exhibiting real love. They might be exhibiting, though, the love that Kendrick speaks about in this particular song. And the bridge of the song says, Heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown. To whom is given, much is required now. Heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown. To whom is given, much is required now. That part reminds me of a song that happens a few after this song on Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers and my favorite song on the album called Savior. One of the most memorable lines to me from Savior is, the cat is out the bag, I am not your savior. I find it just as difficult to love thy neighbor. Like, don't don't look at the fact that I've done a little more self-work than you, that I might have a little more self-awareness than you and think that, oh, he's the savior. He's the one that rap can hang its moral compass on and scrutinize everything that he does or says and we'll know what's right or wrong, dope or whack, real or fake, based on how well we watch Kendrick walk a tightrope of sanity in this industry. That could also describe the man of a household, heavy as the head that chose to wear the crown. Once you're a leader in something, to whom it's given, much is required now. Everybody want to be in front, seemingly. 
but not everybody wants to lead. But as much as people will continue to fight and claw to have the most money, to get the highest title, to be the biggest badass, to have the best cars, the biggest fucking mansion on the block, whatever people are looking to do, people want to be out front. But rarely do they actually want to lead because leading actually takes you connecting to your followership, considering your constituents. And a lot of the people who selfishly want to lead don't give a rat's dick hair about how somebody else is actually doing. So long as they're getting theirs, they win in their heads. That type of person is the same person that would make a stipulation on quote-unquote love. Even make death the turnaround for whether you fall in line. And I'm not just talking about gangs. I could be also talking about religion. Kendrick's album is a genius of an album because it made people who wanted to listen discover, uncover, and explore more of themselves. For people who weren't looking for much, they didn't find much. And mad respect to those folks. This being only one song on that album, trust and believe me, with a year in hindsight, being able to listen to the album now, I gotta tell you, it is a doozy of a listen. And I think I'll get more into that with the masterminds uh, in a minute when we get to them. Um, and with the masterminds, we will get into a high why, which is where someone from Love Culture submits a question that we answer here on air. And also a get raised. Get raised is the segment of Raise It Up Why, the podcast where people don't only raise up you all as listeners, but me as well. And I think anytime I have the masterminds on, they raise me as much as I'd look to try to raise you all's self-awareness, vibrations, and capacities for love as well. So let's get to them. And you'll see me in a second. So we're getting into a high why and a get raised. With the masterminds, y'all know, because I've already said it, that this is what we're calling the episode 57, Thinking of a Master Plan. We are with the masterminds of love culture. We have Dana Urban underscore Counselor Lewis. We have Mitzen Okada, who we also call Mitzen Okada in actual love culture. <laughs> um, Mitzen is our resident side D. I know that I've introduced them before on the pod and you guys have heard me say this, but um, something that we can talk about in just a second as well. Uh, and, and something I've talked about on the pod every January, what I've learned about branding and what I've learned about this life is after a while, you recognize there are just a lot of introductions and reintroductions because you never know at what point someone is intersecting with your conversations, your platform, your podcast, whatever it might be. So um, 
I just have a tendency to always introduce the masterminds, uh, Mitzan Okader, our resident PsyD, the doctorate of psychology holder in love culture, and Dana Lewis, who we affectionately call urban or urban counselor uh, with an LCSW, which is a licensed clinical social worker. And I am the MSW, which just means that Dana and I have the same degree, but Dana actually took all of the necessary precautions in order to practice. I I will call myself differently practicing. I told y'all I'm saying that now because I used to say a, a, a trained therapist, not a practicing one. And what I meant to say all that time was I am a trained therapist, not a traditionally practicing one because everything we disseminate here on the pod is 100% pieces of psychoeducation drenched and covered in hip hop culture. I don't think that's even debatable. You know what I'm saying? Especially uh, given the vernacular we use and all this different stuff. Like we speak to the audience we seek to reach. So when you want to make sure, if I if, if I right now said, uh, uh, won't he will? You're immediately, the, the three of us know exactly where we would hear something like that. Where an ethnically diverse, a, a globally ethnic diverse listener might be like, won't, won't he will? Won't is that is that is that French, Dutch? Let me see, won't and he. You know what I'm saying? Like, wait, hold on. And everyone in the black church is like, girl, you brand new. <laughs> look, look, look. Everybody else over here falling out in the spirit. Hello? So uh I love that. Uh Dana, for all the listeners that are literally listening in, uh, go ahead and give an introduction. And if you're on YouTube for the first time that the masterminds have been on the pod, you can now see my great, great friends. And I'm very happy about that. So we starting with Dana and I keep seeing your name as Dana Lewis on here. So I'm so used to calling you urban. I feel awkward. Mitzen, is it okay that I say, I feel fucking awkward calling you Dana, but it's okay. I love you. I mean, you're Dana. Fuck it. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's your real name. I don't know. But Dana, go ahead and give an intro to yourself. Unmute yourself. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Dana Lewis, also known as the Urban Counselor, one-third of the Masterminds crew, also the CEO of a mental health group practice here in Baltimore, Maryland, called Whole Life Center. We here, y'all. Love, love, love. I love that my all of my um I love that my my brother and sister in mastermindness are very much a part of hip hop culture and not in a gimmicky way. Like before we all knew each other, everyone here listened to rap music. We all were already a part of hip hop culture. I I like to say that because I don't want it to sound like, oh, we formed an alliance because we're mental health specialists. And then we started to employ rap and hip. No, 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 no. We're really, we're true to this, not new to this. Right. Come on, man. Come on, man. Okay. So Dana, I have you on mute. Uh, uh, I'll have you go on mute. And Mitzen, let the people hear you because they can now see you. Hi, everybody. My name is Mitzen Okada, also known as Mitzen Okada, as what I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Resident ID of love culture, which means I am a doctor, a psychology holder. Uh, I am, I work at a nonprofit. Uh, I serve 
people impacted by domestic violence. Uh, we have a lot of um, people who are just in a lot of different situations, a lot of LGBTQ folks. So um, I definitely bring that perspective to love culture. And I'm happy to be here with my sister and my brother, Dana. I know, right? <laughs> Calling him Dana, doesn't that feel weird? A little bit. I know it does. It does. And 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 I love, I'll be honest with you, certain folks in love culture look for their love name, like their love culture name. Because, you know, everybody's like, you know, love Cam or love Johan or love, you know, we, everybody's a love something. But when you get, when you go from love Carrington to messy boots, it's a different level. So instead of love Dana, it's urban counselor and stuff like that. So some of us end up getting it and some of, and, and it always has to come natural, by the way. I don't do it if it feels forced. It's never a gimmick on my side, at least. I don't know about anybody else. On my side, it always is something that comes up very, very naturally. So two things, two segments that the masterminds are helping me with. Uh, I've only pre-recorded one part. Uh, and I think I told y'all about how we were together May of last year because that was when Kendrick's album, Mr. Morell and the Big Steppers came out. One of the largest selling albums of last year. We've already now had a year of hindsight, uh, retrospect behind us. We know that he swept the Grammys, won everything he was supposed to win, let me tell it, except album of the year. But like I said the other night, if, if it wasn't he, the only other one I would have won it was Beyonce. And that even didn't happen. So... I'll be quiet as not to offend any of my political connects and affiliations. I'm going to be quiet. Uh, but stuff like this doesn't happen to people like us every day. Don't make me upset. Sorry, I didn't Cause I'm sitting here like, <laughs> that's a soliloquy right there. No, but, but, uh, <laughs> shit. But, um, the the album reached audiences worldwide just like we knew it would. And the only segment I've done on this episode so far without the masterminds being here is I explicated the lyrics to crown the least hip-hop song, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, the least hip-hop-inspired song on Mr. Morale and the Big Separate. It almost sounds like a country song. Or like a folky, like there's no drums, there's no bass. It's just the piano keeping time. And the piano, I don't know if you guys know, um, the piano itself is classified as several different types of instruments, but one is percussive. So it's like a percussion type of instrument. So it definitely is keeping time. Um, but that's the only one that I explicated. I did it the other day in the Love Lounge on AMP. And it went over really, really well. Um, so I decided to bring it to Raise It Up Why so that it would have somewhere to live uh, and just everyone could come back to it if they wanted to explore what that felt like or looked like for me. Um, so a few questions are going to come from that album and then other things as well when we get to the Get Raised. But before that, because there's only one, so I feel like we'll get through this one a little faster, but it is a little heavy, I'll be honest with you. We're going to do a high why. We're going to do a high why. And um, this high why I have been holding on to since December. 
uh, one of the loves, I'm not sure which love, and even if I was sure, I don't know that they gave me permission to disclose. So a love uh, spoke about how sudden they felt impacted by hearing about DJ Twitch. I don't know if you guys remember from the Ellen show. Uh, so the, 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 the DJ um, had unfortunately taken his own life and self-transitioned, right? Around the holidays. And um, it impacted a lot of hip hop culture because he was a DJ. He was a hip hop DJ. He also had a big TikTok following, I understand, because he would do the dances and all this different stuff that, you know, kind of like brought people joy. And um, the, the the one post I remember specifically was uh, D Smoke, who had just spoken with him like two days before. And he felt so like, wait, our wives were supposed to, we were talking about our families. Like we were supposed to get up. Like, bro, what did I miss? Like what, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like what, what, what went wrong? Um, without disclosing all of the loves, a lot of our loves recently have suffered losses uh, in their families. Um, and I wanted to kind of make this high why a moment of one, being able to discuss grief and loss again. I know we've done it before, but I don't want to make people go fish for it back in 2021. We we have the opportunity now. There's no time like the present. One, just to see where people sit with the grief and loss cycle um, and maybe explaining what that looks like in you all's own words. Uh, no perfect answers here. We, we, we still hang in. Um, but I wanted to start with this so we can end on the high note and really raise the conversation up. But this was something that was on people's hearts. One, uh, how do you deal with grief? What is the, wh or is there a proper way to deal with grief? Someone asked. And I said, oh, I'm just going to take that to the masterminds because I know my, my answer, but I think it's amazing when love culture gets to hear other voices pouring into it. Uh, that's one. And then two, very specific to the, DJ Twitch situation, what sorts of warning signs could you all maybe impart on love culture? Just off like anything you've read, personal experiences, like nothing perfect. This doesn't have to be like, oh, we're doing a researched, you know, perfect thing right now. Just from your brilliant masterminds, what are some signs that you all have encountered or that you know of in order to determine when one of the people in your sphere of influence is possibly, possibly even contemplating uh, self-transitioning? So we can answer in any of those orders, by the way. So it's just two questions. What are warning signs to be able to spot a person who might be thinking about self-transitioning? And then two, what are ways that uh, people deal with grief that you all know of that you would think are good to impart on love culture?
you want to start? Urban? Okay. So I'm going to speak to like the signs, right? Um, that somebody may be wanting to, you know, harm themselves. So one of the signs that I've seen just on a personal note is a person may tend to isolate themselves, right? So like, say for instance, this person might've been like, you know, social, you know, hanging around certain places and hanging with certain people. And then all of a sudden you realize like they stop coming to certain events, they stop they stop reaching out to you, things like that. They they tend to isolate. Mm-hmm. And that right there, what I've seen when it comes to like self-harm per se, has been one of the number one signs that I've come across where like the person just automatically just isolates themselves. You mm-hmm. can't even reach them. Mm-hmm. They know where to be found. You know what I mean? Another sign that, you know, somebody could be in that place of wanting to harm themselves is that they 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 start to feel hopeless. You know, like they might have been like the life of the party, you know, high energy. But then once you start to hang around them, you start to notice like they have this hopeless like type of energy. Mm. And that's usually not like them. Um, So like their energy decrease, you know, they start to feel like, you know, life is not worth living no more. But most of all, like I said before, like the number one sign that I see is like the isolation piece. They just start coming around. You know, you can't reach them. You know, it's hard to get in contact with them for several days at a time. And yeah, so that's like one of the main signs that I've seen when it comes to like self-harm is like isolation. Beautiful. Dope. Yeah, that that hit the nail on the head. I was just, I was, that was the first thing that came to mind, Urban, when you said that. And another thing that I would add to that is maybe if there's like a drastic change in behavior, even if the person is more, appears more active or more impulsive um, or more careless about certain things, because one, um, there's suicidality manifests in different ways. It's not necessarily thinking about the most, you know, the most lethal methods that we could all come to mind. I'm not going to name them just, you know, um, we could all figure out what those are, but it could be something like, are they paying close attention as they're crossing the street? Are they, are they driving with the most care? Are they drinking more heavily or using substances more heavily? Are they you know, eating or not eating in unhealthy ways. So just things that are harmful that we don't necessarily go, oh, that's that's definitely self-harm or that's definitely somebody making an attempt. But those kind of low-level things, because what it, it usually starts out as maybe, maybe I don't want to be here. It's it's kind of low level, and so then the person starts kind of acting out ways to maybe not be here, but they're not necessarily taking decisive action. Gotcha. Just not like, eh. yeah. I I want to hear what you all think about. I know we had a in service or like a a guest speaker come uh, at one of my classes 
when I was in the MSW program, right? And in their recent research back then, this is 2012, by the way. Um, well, I graduated 2012. I can't even remember which year this was. But um, they said they had found that certain individuals even started to appear jovial at one point because once the individual decided, oh, the answer is self-transition. Okay, I got it. Like, phew, like, okay, all right, there's a resolve now. The pain is going to stop. Like, this is like the, the, the living has, has, I have a, I have an answer. I have an answer. And uh, it's almost like this random boost of energy because they feel like they, but that also goes to the, the, the difference in just disposition. Like you were talking about urban, you know, there's a different and dis, uh, uh, drastic difference in disposition mits and, and, and making like a sharp left where it was like, we've been talking about what's been bothering you for the last, however long. And now it's like, no, 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 trust me. It's guys, it's okay. I got this. I figured this out. Actually, Thing number two, I have like some rookie MJ basketball cards that I think, you know what? You've been one of my greatest friends. I think you need that. Start giving very valuable things away or, or you know, like, and not just like, hey, you know what? I was going to go give these, you know, lucky seven jeans or lucky jeans, lucky bottom. I, I As y'all can see, I shop at Target. I don't know. But anyways, uh, lucky bottom jeans or whoever, whatever. Uh, but you would probably fit them really good. Not like that. I'm talking about like, yeah, so I got this one mink. Your, your mom, I think she should have this. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. It's not just giving away things. Like you're giving away the things. You know what I'm saying? Like, and trying to like maybe not unload, but, but, but like, well, I won't have a use for this and I want this to go somewhere good, uh, to intersect or intercede the person who thinks they're going to transition by way of themselves. And they think they found an answer in that same seminar, what, they advised us about, and I want to hear your responses. What they advised us about was one of the things they had found, one of the pieces of research showed that people who are thinking about suicide actually think it's a secret. Like they they feel like this is my thing. This is my I found out how I'm gonna deal with all this. So I'm, you know, so it's 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 a it's a thing that for themselves, right? Part of the isolation that you were talking about, Dana. So they were saying as a friend of that person, if you start to notice some of these signs, one of the ways to help is to straight up like, hey, you're not thinking about killing yourself, are you? Like, and make it that blunt, that fat. It's almost like thought blocking. Like when you, you know, push something out of there and it's like, hey, random, but just by any chance, it's not even self-harm. Like you don't, don't, don't skid around it. It's almost like, hey, were you thinking about killing yourself? Like just in saying it, the reaction in real time is almost like when, when in the, in the fairy tale, when they, when they called the, the gentleman Rumpelstiltskin and he was like, who told you my name? How did you know my name? And he was so mad. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen or if you know of that uh, fairy tale, but um, 
been a long time. Been a long time. There you go. Shouldn't have left you without a yay masterminds. Mas- Sorry, that was. Whoop. But uh, no, it if you call it out, and they react like, uh uh-uh, uh, wait, what? But just just take inventory of that reaction, and don't like take anything that you see for granted or like. Nah, maybe they was just tripping. No, no, no. Everything they do after you ask that question is data. Like, boom. Hey, what are you thinking? Watch how they react. The defensive, the more defensive, the more on the money you might have actually been. And then now it's a different conversation. Like, okay, who else can I bring into the fold that's trusted, that can help maybe sort of a thing, maybe do a wellness check. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it might be. Uh, But- I thought that was so interesting when I heard it. I'm like, damn, that's hella invasive. But the the contrary to that, right? Like, you know, so uh, that's a great way to see some signs and have now some form of a plan if you were to bring action to a friend or someone in your support system that you thought might be a candidate for self-transitioning. I think what we just covered was really, really good for that in that section. Um, Going on to the second question of the high why, for people who have recently suffered losses in love culture and for anybody who's endured a loss anywhere at any time, Mitzen, do you believe there's any right way to cope or deal with stress? Absolutely not. I think whatever way that people deal with stress or loss or grief is their way. Um, You know, and you can see that, see this when you go to family funerals, whether it's your own or you're there to support a friend and their family, you know, people have reactions to how the other is coping. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, they have feelings about that. Like some, you know, maybe one group wants to go drink and party, you know, the night before. Right. And then another group is like, why are they out there doing all that? Don't they know the gravity of this? Well, yes, they know the gravity of the situation. They That's how they're dealing with it right now. So there's no one right way. I think the best thing that I can impart to people is to make sure that you have somebody in your life who is helping you be intentional and be mindful of how you're coping Nice, so that it can be safe. Whatever way that you are coping, you can cope in safe ways. That's what I would say. Nice. No, I like, I like that, what you said. And I just want to add to that is that we have to be very careful about putting a time period for a person to grieve. There's no amount of time that a person should get over grief. And I I found that to be kind of common as of late, as I've been talking to people who, you know, have been dealing with grief. I've been hearing them tell me like, yo, people have been telling me like, you should be getting over it. And I'm like, yo, that's real insensitive when a person tells you you should be getting over something that was a major loss to you. Right. So we have to be very careful and very delicate when we are talking to people or supporting people through grief. And a lot of times, like when it comes to grief and loss, 
and when you are looking to support somebody, a lot of times, like people just want you to be present with them. Mm. They don't need no advice from you. You don't have to jump in and be the savior, as Kendrick said. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> you don't got to jump in there to offer solutions. A lot of times, and I tell people this all the time, is that you just got to be present. Like hmm. your energy has to be with them, be a positive light to them in that moment, in your silence, because your silence in that moment can be golden for that person. They just want wow. your presence. They just want to know that, you know, you see them in that moment and that you care and that you're there in their, in their environment at that time while they're grieving. So I just want to put that out there. There is no set time to grieve and that you can just be present with a person. And that's major impact for that person to feel safe and to feel loved in that moment of grief. So wow. be present. Wow. And and I want to piggyback off of that real quick. Uh, just that, you know, it's not about what you say. I think a lot of times people stay away because they don't know what to say. They don't know the right thing to say or do. And to the person that's hurting, they they don't really... Whatever you can come up with nice to say, they probably don't want to hear it anyway. They just want somebody to be there yeah. or somebody to be attentive to yeah. where they're at. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. I like that you said that, Midson. Um, <laughs> I'll bring a different aspect into this. Uh, you know how when celebrities or people in the public eye pass away and the obligatory, you almost could have guessed it statement comes out from the family. Uh, can you guys not harass while the family is grieving at this time? Like we need space. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dealing, we need peace. Like, you know, uh, when I, I'm going to add, a different piece in so far as when grief uh, is happening to well-known people, the members of uh, family that are still alive here who are, are hurting in love. Um, and <laughs> the distasteful ways that some media outlets can cover different stuff like that, uh, you know, there, some of the media stuff will happen. Um, they'll put things out there that are intentionally incorrect because they know the people outraged correcting them, speaking from real trauma or real, like, how could you, how did, they're, they're only seeing marketing clicks. We're, oh, our ads, our sites are getting all the clicks they're supposed to get. Someone put up the wrong picture of one of the emotions to say that they were deceased. Uh, most people know that Auntie Pam passed away in 2020, right? Her and Exhibit's birthday, they share a birthday. Um, that was the day that she passed. And certain outlets started reporting the correct headline with the wrong emotions picture. Because they knew that their fans would be in an uproar, I assume. 
And I say that because certain of these sites have consistently posted incorrectly because they know that in the outrage of it, they'll get more clicks. So one of the ways to cope when you're, when there's collective grief, how I know everybody here on the West Coast and a lot of the Lakers supporters or Kobe fans felt when we lost Kobe. Like that was the same day. I don't know if you remember, Mitz, and that was the same day as the, the Grammys that year. The Grammys were literally going on and it was a Sunday. I was at T- I was at TJ's house and I'm like, wait, this isn't right. Hold on. The, wait, what? That's not right right now. So I'm calling people who know people in the NBA. They're like, no, that can't. No, no, no. Like when everyone is figuring and finding it, I can't even get into how the whole Nipsey thing went because that, that'll make me cry right now. So, but it's like when those things happen, realizing that giving folks space and time, even when it seems going back on Dana's point, there is no set amount of time. My brother, uh, my brother's, oh wait, my brother's birthday is in an hour on the West Coast and it's already my brother's birthday on the East Coast. My brother that I do the pay you do section about, like, wow, that is so crazy. But uh, same day as uh, uh, Malcolm X, my brother and Malcolm X share a birthday. They share birthdays. Uh, but saying all of that to say, uh, Whoa, when you start looking at how people even treat the people who are in mourning, like, okay, no, I didn't lose Nipsey. I didn't lose Kobe necessarily, but it's still a loss and it's still a grief. And I brought up my brother to say this year, 2023, my brother passed in 2004. It doesn't hurt less. You know, like, like, especially around either his birthdays or the legacy days, it doesn't hurt less. It doesn't. It's it's just a, it's a reminder, right? Okay. The, the scab's going to come off again. All right. So now I'm just more prepared, right? I can just see it coming, but it's not surprising, but it does, but it isn't not hurting, you know? Uh, and no, there is no, just get over it. No. And it's been years and no. It's no just get over it. So uh, to answer that love, I'm so sorry. I don't remember which love that was who asked me the question. Is there any right way to cope with grief and loss and the stress that comes with that whole process? There is none. The the masterminds have spoken. Mitzen and Urban both can tell you it'll look different for everybody, which means that, ooh, this is the one. I don't know if you guys want to speak to this. While you're experiencing your grief and loss process, you kind of also have to still have grace for how someone else is dealing with their grief. Is that something y'all want to speak to or? Well, the speaking of, you know, people in the public eye, I, a while back, I was hearing someone share their experience of losing their partner uh, who was famous and the fans of this person went after uh, the partner who was still living. Like 
they were entitled or they were no. like playing a victim and they were like, okay, we all lost this person. And I'm like, yeah, but this person actually knew them in real life. Right. What like, are you they had a relationship about? with them. They were, you know, that that was their partner. <laughs> that was their one. Right. You were a fan of this person's work. Which I mean is it is meaningful to us. It is a it is an impactful thing, but we all have to remember that we don't really know these people. We don't know the people that are in their lives. We have no say over how and when they grieve or how and when they cope. Thank you. Um, and and speaking of, you know, there was a situation recently or not too long ago um, in the public eye where someone lost their life. And, you know, then there was all this drama around remaining family members and their squabbles and that started to be written about. And I'm like, can we just leave them alone? Literally. Literally. Just leave them alone. They're in pain. Yeah. We don't need to have uh, posts or clicks or anything about what they're doing backstage. Literally. Like, why do we care about that right now? That's so, that that's corny. As fuck. As fuck. Very corny. D- very, very, very corny. And it's like, speaking to the part where you were saying why I was saying about like when it comes to managing your grief as well as managing other people's grief and extending that grace. So one of the things is that we got to keep in mind is that when grief is fresh, yeah, like you just hit grief, boom, it came up in your life, you know, in the other person's life as well, is that grief will make a person experience a wide array of emotions, right? Yeah. Emotions that you might not have seen from that person. So say, for instance, a person might have been happy-go-lucky, just say, for instance, but then grief hits, and then that person becomes a little bit irritated, frustrated, more angry. And the thing that I tell people is that it's not necessarily about you. No. It's about how the grief is manifesting different emotions within them. So it's like extending that grief there and just understanding that, you know, grief is bringing up all types of emotions in you and in the other person. So as much as possible, like being able to understand and not personalize it, but understand that, hey, we are all grieving here. This yeah. is collective grief. And how can we as a family, as a as a unit, you know, support each other better? So absolutely, like extending that grace and just understanding how grief can just change the the the, the composition of a person. How can yeah. change a person's whole um, posture and just emotional life. So definitely keeping that in mind that grief has that ability to do that. No, nah, y'all touching y'all y'all touching on some real real points. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna usher us out of the high why segment and by this being May Mental Health Awareness Month and I have my master minds on again. Um, I know I told y'all there were a couple things I wanted to cover 
here. Uh, it's going to be just about two questions again, but they're they're nice, you know, uh, uh, stacked questions. The first, going back to Ken, uh, with a year of hindsight now and a year to live, because remember when we did this last year, the album had been out maybe a week, maybe not a full week, actually, something like that. So we were hearing it and reacting in a like, huh, oh, okay. But um, for this Get Raised segment, um, Leaving That High Why, I want to hear how maybe some of the messaging from the album has aged with you. Um, Of course, in hip-hop, we're so, I think in society, hip-hop just being a microcosm of the main big society, right? Um, Everyone is so concerned with first week sales because we've become a society that's here for the moment. It's all about the moment. One of the ways I seek to change that Change? I don't know. Am I trying to change it? Um, I don't know if I'm trying to change it. Let me see. Maybe shift our attention. Shift our attention. Yeah, just shift our attention and maybe be more legacy driven. Um, One of those ways that I look to do that is by making sure we don't leave great art from the hip hop culture in that first week virality, uh, uh, oh, what a moment, a moment for hip hop. I'm like, moment? I, I think about mom and dad's music and how TJ and his band have to sing it when they do corporate events or wedding events every single weekend. Let's Groove is not a moment. Best of My Love is not a moment in music. Uh, when I look at you, and the world's all right with me. I know Dana loves that song. That's not a moment, bro. That's not a moment of song. One, two, three, and to the four. Snoop Doggy Dog, Dr. Dre. That's not a moment. That's a classic. So I, I, I bring up Ken and Kendrick's last album, which had a lot of mixed reviews at the time that we were talking about it because people, of course, in their momentous type of mm, critical analysis. That's me being very, very kind and gracious to fans. Halfway fans. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Halfway fans, though. Anyways, uh, I want to know, are there any lessons, any ideas from Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers that has stood the test of time, being that it's a year and some change, a year and some weeks old, maybe not even that. But um, I know Urban was listening to, not listening to, reading off some of the lyrics, especially from like Father Time, and that shit was hitting. You understand? Just the words and the meanings were hitting. What, what are some things that are still kind of prevalent a year later, listening to that album or listening to that song? So for me, just looking back, like, to last year, like, when I first downloaded the album, right? I downloaded it, it was midnight, and I listened to it, and I admit I was a little shallow coming in and listening to it, because I was like, yo, like, 
the beat for like the music, where the boom bat because I'm a boom bat head at heart, right? Right. right. So then one of my good friends, he he had to hold me accountable. He was like, bro, mm. you got to expand your ears a little bit more. Like, I know you like the Pete Rocks and the DJ Premiers, right. the Dillers of the world when it comes to the beat, but really lock in on what Ken is saying. So I'm like, bro, all right, right, I got you. So I started listening. And at the time I was like, yo, like he is really laying down some honest stuff right now. Yeah. Like bearing his soul, talking about his healing process, talking about his traumas, talking about his insecurities, talking about his recovery. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing, right? And then I was like, I really appreciate that he actually had the courage yeah. to put together this type of masterpiece. I call it a masterpiece. Looking back and listening to it now, it's a straight up masterpiece how he was just able to be on hiatus for five years, yeah. come back and then say, this is me. I'm bearing my soul to you guys. I'm being honest about everything that's going on with myself. And I'm giving it to y'all. I don't care what the critics are saying. I don't care what y'all boom back people are thinking. I'm giving it to y'all straight up and down. And that was like one of the major lessons that I took away from the album. Even to this day is like, yo, like do what you love, man. Like don't get caught up in like other people's opinions. Yeah. You know what other people expect from you. Like if you feel it in your heart to put something out of that caliber, put it out, you know, because at the end of the day, that's his creative mind. You know, I can't dictate how a person wants to be creative. Like, nah, like, put it out. If I like it, I'm putting it out. And it's for me. And it's okay to do stuff for you, especially as a creative. Like, it's okay. Like, you don't always have to conform to what the the fans want all the time. Like, you can put out a body of work that speaks for you and that you are loving. And most of all, as a therapist, man, like just looking back, and I was talking to Mitz about this before we, you know, got on. Nice. Is that looking back into now, like, this is therapy on wax, like from the top to bottom. It is. I mean, he's just pouring out all of his himself as if he was in a therapy session. Like, it's yes. one big, long therapy session. In yes. Um, just looking back and, yeah, Father Tom really hit because I work with men in, in my therapy practice. And he really just really spoke on like how we as men, we just been conditioned early on to not express our feelings and hold back emotion and things like that. And he really talked about in that song, like how holding on to like these stereotypes of what a man is, is really damaging to the mental, Mm. damaging to, you know, the forward progression of of a man. So I really just love the album, even to this day. Um, And just how, you know, Ken was just like, yo, Y'all getting all of me. I ain't holding nothing back. Y'all getting all my honest thoughts. Yeah. Y'all seeing my family for the first time on the album cover. So Literally. He was bringing it all. And um, I feel like hopefully this can inspire other artists moving forward and, 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 and when they put out their music that, hey, I can just be open and honest. And so what? Yeah. This is me. Yes. Yeah. Um, in regards to Father Time, you know, and how, what does he say where it's like, um, basically equating manhood with being a gangster. 
Hmm. or being whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, those stereotypes. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but that's how folks think or that's that's they feel like they have to be hard they feel like they have to have a certain amount of bravado they feel like they have to do things a certain way and I was really I I was really re-listening to it I was really struck by that and I'll be honest um this album was really hard for me to digest yeah and I one thing that I was thinking about when um, when reflecting on this uh, this week was that quote that Lauren Hill said in her uh, MTV Unplugged album. It was something to the effect of, you know, they want um, basically giving the people what they want to hear, but she wanted to come from a place of giving them what they need. Ooh. And I felt like this is what, this was his moment of yeah. giving us what we needed and it was hard to digest yeah um last time we were on uh, here talking about that specifically i had a lot of reactions to the we cried together um and that really struck with me because you know i work in domestic violence uh, but I pretty much determined that I can't really listen to that song no. just casually. No. I just, no. I, it's it's not a skip. I'm not calling it a skip in the like, you know, this track is, you know, disposable or whatever. But for me, I have to skip it. Have to. <laughs> I have to. I just, I can't. <laughs> it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think... One thing I think we probably should talk about is um, Auntie Diaries was really difficult for me the first go round. Got you. Um, and I really appreciated hearing him share yeah. um, what that was like for him, uh, having family members in the community who were trans and seeing them transition and right. how other family members reacted to them. Um, I think when I first heard it, I was like, I understand what he's going for and understand, I I think I kind of get where he's, where he's coming from. I think kind of the rawness and some of the, 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 his choice of words of how he expressed it kind of, it rubbed me the wrong way. Good. I'll be honest. Yeah. And. I, that, in addition to just the heaviness of the album, I kind of, I was like, you know what? He absolutely deserves for me to take this in fully. I'm not able to do that right now. So I'm just going to set this aside. There you go. (laughs) There you go. And I set it aside and I thought about it every, every so often. I was like, oh, I should go back. And then I was like, I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. No. Six months went by and um, wow. Takeoff was murdered or Takeoff was killed. Right. That's when I was like, okay, I want to listen wow. to this again. I felt like I really needed to hear his voice. Wow. Um, 
And what struck me was just, I mean, the whole album is just bathed in grief yeah. and him processing his, his personal grief, his communal grief, our collective yeah. grief yeah. as a people and just the human race in general is yeah. grieving, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he talks about uh, dealing with pandemic and kind of struggling to navigate that. Um, one of the things that, that always makes me laugh is, uh, what is it from N95 when he's talking about taking off all the layers, basically all the designer stuff, all the fake woke, all the, you know, this or that. And then he's like, take all that off and what do you have? <laughs> you ugly as fuck. <laughs> like, it just always, like, it never fails. I always laugh. <laughs> and y'all know I I am the um, mastermind that and y'all know this about me I love the bad bitch music I, I am a critical consumer of you know all things uh, hot girl summer city girl summer you know not as much icy girl but, you know, whatever. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm very aware at the same time of the limitations of that. Right. And so it's, and that that should not permeate the entire culture in the way that it is, that it has or that it is viewed to be. So hearing him say that just always takes me out. And I'm just like, oh my God. This man is hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's such that's an awesome. Real. No, that's a, a that's an awesome point though, uh, Irvin, because that's after a full listen, that going being able to go back to that and here taking off all of what we thought the fake wokeness of what we thought we was on. Take that off. Take off all your little PPP scams. Take off all, take off your little, you, you understand? Take off your little chain. Take off your little chain. Take off all this shit. And what do you have? You in the mirror, ugly as fuck. You out of pocket. No, no. I'm being honest. <laughs> I ain't out of pocket. I love, I love how much commentary it sounds like, like he's answering himself. Like, you know, uh-uh, you were uh, 2 a.m. talking about what? Response. He's calling and responding to himself. To himself. Bruh, I no, I brought this up on the uh, explication of Crown. At the end, he says, you can't please everybody. No, you can't please everybody. It's like, but it's like, you can't please everybody. No, you can't please everybody. Wait, you can't please everybody. No, like... Like he's answering himself. Like he's still trying to see. Like, wait, but is there a little way that I can please? No, no, you can't please everybody. Like I, you can try this, but heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And one thing that Kendrick has always been good at is bringing us into his head and letting him, letting us fully into his inner dialogue. You know, that's been a common thread throughout the entirety of his body of work. So just the way that he's kind of wrestling with himself and going back and forth with different things, I think it's just really, it's just really fascinating to hear how he processes that. And like when he was talking about like 
pulling back all the layers, right? You have to think like we were in the pandemic. So this was the opportunity where people were finding out the ugliest sides of themselves. So, because we were all locked in and you had no choice but to peel back those layers and discover the real you. So when he said that, I'm like, man, like you just cracked everybody's like mental health journey during the pandemic. It's like pulling back those layers because, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were probably just what, ripping and running. We probably didn't even take the time to address certain demons, certain issues, or identify ways where we might have been capping in certain areas. So we're pulling back those layers and you see the real you right here in the mirror. And it's like, whoa. But for him to say that and put that out there, it really probably charged people to say, you know what? Let me peel back these layers. Let me see what's underneath the hood of this car. Let's see what's happening here. And I'm glad that he said that. And then like with Savior, right? That spoke to me as a helping professional on a on a major level. Um, because Oh, and that sarcastic tone that he gets too. Yeah. Not just on that yeah. song, but in other places. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, like y'all, y'all hit it right on the head with that sarcastic tone that he has. But listening to Savior, though, like as a helping professional, I'm just being honest with y'all. Like that really spoke to me because sometimes in this in this field of you know therapy, social work, things like that, we do feel as though like we have to save our clients from yeah. whatever it is that they're going through. And when he said that, like, ain't your Savior things like that, that freed me as a as a helping professional. So when I heard that song, like I started coming into the therapy sessions different and not feeling like the weight was on my shoulders to heal my clients Ooh. in that moment. So it just freed me up and actually allowed me to do my work even better. You know what I mean? So. I effing, y'all know that Savior is my favorite song on the album. And it's basically the 13th song. If we count, I mean, but who's counting though? Like, speaking of counting, uh, my, my, that's my 1A. My 1B favorite song is Count Me Out. Um, and talk about another moment where he's looking in the mirror. Uh, he was talking about 3.30 in the morning, scrolling through the call log. Ain't nobody but the mirror looking for the fall off. So he's talking even to himself. I love when you count me out. I love when you count me. Like, if you think I'm not resilient, if you think I won't win, if you think I can't endure, overcome, like, don't trip. I love when you count me out. Do not trip. Like, I ain't nobody but the mirror looking for the fall off. I'm telling you as an artist, as a hip hop artist, sometimes one of the biggest I don't know. One of the biggest adversarial energies that we encounter is ourselves, especially, and we've heard this from Three Stacks, Andre 3000. Why did he gracefully bow out of this game? It's like, I feel like it don't matter what y'all get from me. Y'all are going to expect the best rap verse you've ever heard. So I feel like I only have the ability to disappoint y'all. And I hate how that feels. I'm out. I'm not your savior. I'm not counting me out because you see, whenever he pop out to do a verse anywhere, he never aims to disappoint. Hey, Miss Donda. Literally, the rest, I was like, this is him at whatever age he is 
effing killing the game. We talked about this with Fonte's expensive jeans. Um, I think it was the expensive jeans. No, no, no. Uh, Such is life on the album. Um, uh, something with good news. We we looked up this the name of this before. Ah. Uh, Charity starts at home? No, no, not There's that. There's nothing but good news or no? No. No good. Oh, oh let me look God. it up. Um, no, no news is good news. No news is good news. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That was like 20, let's just say 18, somewhere around there that that came out um, on one of his songs, Such Is Life. I've said it on this podcast before. Um, I be tripping because when people listen to me, they say all they hear is the greats, but I can't listen to it because all I hear is mistakes. Like that kind of that kind of self-criticism. And a third example here in hip hop, Dr. Dre, why we didn't get a detox. And I'm not ratting or saying nothing, snitching or nothing. If you listen to when we were on the pharmacy together, he revealed this there. Why you didn't get a detox is because it wasn't good enough. And it nothing ever seemed like it was good enough. I I over his shoulder, you know, I've told him this, so I'm, I don't feel like I'm speaking behind his back, but over his shoulder, one day in the in the studio. He pulls up a beat. He's getting ready on episode eight, no, seven of the pharmacy uh, with Dr. Dre. He opens up his computer to get something for LL Cool J to rhyme over. He was going through beats. That shit said Detox version nine. Detox version nine. And there were, there's like, Hundreds of versions of detox because he was working on it for a decade and more so, and, and some more change. You know what I'm saying? So, but and all the beats slap. Every beat was dope. Every beat. So it's like when you have all of this and and you're coming off of NWA, you're coming off of Doggy Style and the Chronic, you're coming off of 2001. He could have put out gold bars with each of his album purchases. And some critic, critical fan somewhere would have only said, nah, this shit trash. Nah, that's whack. Or somebody say, man, that's great. When's your next one? Wait, this took me 20 years to do. What do you mean, when is my next? Wait, huh? Like, so I love that we all have a different aspect of going back to... Ken's album and me for me personally I do I do have to skip we cry together the second it starts to come on I skip um I do the same thing with my favorite album of Kendrick's to pimp a butterfly the loving you is complicated loving you is complicated because there's a whole story I was around for that story so there's too much energy attached to me personally that is a complete immediate skip immediate it was very real too real too real for me like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, listening to the album. And I think I said this last time, my initial reaction was close to Dana's, not for the boom bap reason, for the West coast reason. I was like, where's the West coast slaps? Where's the West coast slaps? Well, Kenny, what you doing to me, daddy? Huh? How we doing this? Hey, you got to talk to him like sugar. Bear. Hey, hey, baby. Hey, hey, baby. What, what, what are we doing, Zaddy? You know what I'm saying? I was like, wait, what the whole fuck? But um, We Cry Together actually shook me out of me trying to make this album something I thought I needed it to be. 
And when that came on, it it wrangled me. Not Father Time, not all the songs that came before it, Rich Spirit, none of those. We Cry Together did like this. Stop making me what you need me to be and listen to me. It shook me from my complacency, as Jonathan Swift would say. And I, I after that, I was in. And for the whole rest of the, like the second half of the album, I gravitated to very quickly because We Cry Together is like damn near at the end of the first half of the album, like the second to last, maybe something like that. Yeah. Of the, of the first half of the album. So I actually was more dialed in listening to the second half to the point where I had to go back and listen to the first half as if it were the second half. You know what I'm saying? Because I was actually listening, not sifting through my expectations to make Kendrick make me happy. That wasn't his point. As he told me, I choose me, I'm sorry. Like this, Like you say, Dana, this album wasn't for you. Like you say, Mitzen, and and I'm happy that when you critique and not criticize, when we are critiquing, I think that's what we're doing, right? That's different from criticism. It's been a topic in love culture lately. But as we critique this album, I love that the names we have to bring up are some like Lauren Hill, because that's the ilk. Lauren Hill's miseducation went into the Library of Congress, Kendrick's to pimp started his tenure in the Library of Congress. Like, so look at the fucking names, bro. Like, look who we're being associated with. So- They won the Pulitzer, right? Pulitzer was won by Dam, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Dam won the Pulitzer Prize. But the, the flex of flexes in my head was getting Eckhart Tolle on your album. That's a flex that does, it surpasses hip hop. It surpasses rap. And when people don't know the magnitude of the spiritual influencing mind that Eckhart Tolle is, we, I had that talk with an individual in New York who was giving me their feedback about the album, about Ken's album. And it went much like Dana and Wyan in the beginning, which was, yeah, like beat-wise and this and that. And I'm like, okay, so when you got over that, though, what did you think about the album? A, a, a man that took five years to give us a body of work after we, and as fans, we'd been begging, by the way. So he gave harassing. it to us. Har- harassing. Can we talk, can we speak kindly? Can we, we speak correctly? harassing him. Shit, yo. We, we get it. And like you say, he does the Lauryn Hill and gives us what we need as opposed to what we want. And guess what we do? Complain. And criticize. Not critique. Criticize. And I think that's leading me into this next question, which has been a topic in love culture. And I wanted to gain you all's perspectives. When we look at fandom... Because everybody ain't a supporter. Well, no, let's start there. Do you think that all fans are supporters? Why or why not? Depends on their level of investment, I think. Like, are they a casual fan that will just kind of let you play if they pop up, if your song pops up on their playlist? Or are they like tracking you? Are they, are they 
I'll give this example. So I know there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of conversation around Chloe Bailey lately. Um, I struggle, I have struggled with some of the solo output, um, but I'm such a fan of her. Got it. That when I saw, um, the other week I had seen her post, you know, oh, last night of In Pieces Tour in LA. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to support this girl who, you know, and I feel like everything is in a land for me right now, but I see that she's kind of, she's in artist development mode as a solo artist. And I'm here for her as a fan, as she is on that journey. And, you know, so that, that manifested in me buying a concert, buying, uh, two concert tickets for a friend and me to attend that night. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like you can you can totally support somebody and maybe not fully be where they're at or not fully get where they're at. Got you. But I think being a this is the difference between being a fan and a supporter. This is what I'll say is being on the journey with them. Are you on the journey with them? Mm, nice. Are you committed to kind of help to seeing them through to seeing that through what they're doing? Nice. Nice. I'm here for that. That's real. And that's kind of like what you just said, Smith, was good. Like, are you actually following the story of the artist? And that was how it was for me, like, when it came to Jay Dilla. Like, I'm like a fan, fan, fan. Like, I know everything mostly about Dilla, the samples, you know, history coming up in the D, you know, the machines that he used. So I followed his story. Now, for other artists, you know, I might be like, okay, I'll download a song here and there. Right. But I'm not, like, fully committed to the brand of uh, the particular mm-hmm. artist. So, like, you were saying, like, following their story. But, like, are you invested in their brand? Are you buying the merch? You know, are you going out to the shows? You know what I mean? Are you even sharing some of their joints on your social media? Are you, I don't like a street team. Like, are you sharing some of the the songs with some of your friends and telling people like, hey, yo, you should check this artist out. Because like one artist that like, I'm like a super fan of, you know, you know, guys, I'm from the East. I'm big on Ghostface. Oh, yeah. Nobody can tell me nothing about Ghostface Killer. Like, like, no, he's in the top 10 for me. Like, no, don't talk about Supreme Clientele. That's the best album of all time. One of the best albums, hip-hop albums of all time. Don't come for ghosts. <laughs> I love so, it. So, you know, like, when, a, when you're talking to a fan, like, they ride and dime with that particular artist. So, that's how you can kind of tell between yeah. a fan and, like, a casual supporter or fan. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yo, that... I love that. That was a topic that had come up in some... Uh, past talks. So I just wanted to see where you all stood on that at first uh, for the first part of this. But I love what Mitzen said, where the difference between a fan or a supporter would be something like, are you taking the journey? Are you on the journey with the artist? And that then would make you not just a fan, but then even a supporter. You know, a fan, you could like download a few songs, you know, you could say, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I see where they was going. But, like, a supporter would buy the song. 
and stream the song. A fan might just stream the song. You know what I'm saying? Um, those, those are the types of things, especially in love culture, we've definitely tried to give people way more ways to know how they're being a supporter versus just a casual fan, you know, or a listener, you know, sort of a thing. Um, Have you all ever thought much about the mentality of the artist when fans turn to critics and not critique. I think what we just did to what we just did to Kendrick's album was critique it. The reason I made sure the masterminds were on the episode last year to talk about Kendrick's album was because he put out an album of therapy. I don't think everyone is qualified to critique the album because everyone doesn't have contact as many contact hours as we do, all of us having at least a master's degree, everyone don't have credentials to critique the album. But anyone with an asshole can criticize something or anything. You know what I'm saying? That album included, you know, anything. Um, How much do you all think that people's uh, artists' mentalities and rather their mental health is considered when fans turn to critics instead of even just fans, not even supporters. I don't need you to be a supporter, you know what I'm saying? And I think, I think everybody can have an opinion and also not criticize like I don't think unless you and y'all tell me where I'm wrong at but I don't think sharing an opinion or having an opinion equals criticism even if your opinion is less than savory or flavorful for the for the art or the artist tell me what you all think about that I need to understand wait can you repeat the question I'm sorry I kind of got lost a little bit sorry where do you think or how do you think fans that turn to critics affect the artist's mental health? Seeing that this is mental health awareness and we're still, you know, we look at this in, in terms of what we do in hip hop and stuff like that. Uh, have you noticed where fandom turned sour can turn into something that can eat away at an artist's mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to, now that I got into my head, I remember one time, I think it was Lloyd Banks from G-Unit. He was talking about how, like, fans that was listening to his music at the time were kind of like not feeling it, giving him bad reviews or just really talking about like, man, he don't come out enough for us. Like we want more Banks albums. We want Banks albums. Like, is he lazy in the, in the, when it comes to making the music? Is mm. he, what's going on with Banks? Right. And I remember kind of like Banks was saying that hearing all those comments about, is he lazy? 
does he even have the passion to be an MC anymore? He was saying like it started to get to him, like it started to bother him. It started to make him feel like depressed. It started to make him feel like, man, I don't even want to record no more. Like I'm tired of hearing all these comments. Like I'm, I gave y'all music. Y'all know how I put it down when it comes to the bars, and it's still not enough for y'all. So I'm thinking about like retiring altogether. You know, but I remember him saying, like, he had people around him kind of talking to him, like, yo, thanks, yo. Like, you, you need it out here. Like, people need to still hear your voice. Right. People still want to hear, you know, Lloyd Banks. But at the same time, I feel like when it comes to the artist, it's just like, it's kind of like when I think about, like, the NBA a little bit. It's like the coach is going to get the brunt of whatever the players are giving. And like the coach is going to get the end, bad end of the stick and get let go. Right. And I feel like that's how it is with music and fans. It's like the artist should just take whatever the fans are saying about their music and the artists don't have a say or don't have a feelings. Like, all right, just keep producing more albums. But no, like artists have feelings because you don't know the backstory about what it took to for them to create the album, the songs, you don't know what was going on in their life, you know, and then for you to just critique it very harshly in a way that is not of, how can I put it, like, constructively, yeah, yeah. like that. And you just coming at the artist's neck, like, yo, this, this bull crap is whack, like, yo, yo, it's like, come on, like, you gotta really honor and really consider creative feelings, man, like, because they have feelings, and they got life, too, that's going on while they've given us this music. So we have to be very conscientious of, you know, that that aspect of it. But that was, like, a real clear example. Like, Banks was about to retire. Yeah. But now he's been putting out music over the last, since the pandemic, he's been really ramping up, putting out the music. And I'm glad that he's putting out um, albums now. Yeah. But, yeah, artists have feelings, too. And I remember even Wale spoke about that. You yeah. know, like... Yo, like, yo, y'all coming at my music, da da da. But then when he come out and speak about it, they look at him like, oh, he crazy. That yo, Wale, he just too sensitive. Like, no, like, this is a man that loves his art. He knows the time that he's putting in to give us the art. Yeah. And it's like, come on, like, it's, it's different ways to to talk to me about my music. You don't have to run me through the mud and call me all types of names and coming at my whole character, coming at how I show up for my job as as an artist, you know, like, come on, like, it's different ways to critique my music and for me to receive it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think, you know, one other example that I was thinking about was Roddy Rich and how, you know, when he started playing some of his music for fans or he put out everything after, um, What's the name of the album? Antisocial. Um, yeah. I can't remember the, the name of the album. The yeah, one with the, the box on it, though. And, um, or please excuse me, I'm antisocial. I think that's what it's Something called. Something like that. Right? Yeah. So after that, and then people just were clowning him and they were relentless and merciless. And I was just like, this, this young man is like, <laughs> he's, I'm sure he doesn't want to give you any music ever again. No. <laughs> you know, and his career just started. Yeah. So, um, you know what, though? I do have a, a question for y'all. Yeah. Um, 
I know that, you know, we've talked about Lauren Hill going back to her and, you know, the masterpiece that she gave us, the, the, the biblical text that is miseducation. Um, as far as hip hop is concerned. We know that she really struggled with fame and, yeah. you know, people kind of asking for so much from her in the success of that. And then when she came out or when she peeked back out on that unplugged and then people clowned her and then she just went back and then we didn't see her for maybe 10 years. Yeah. Um, or more. And that was all pre-social media. Yes. I wonder what, how she would have been affected in this age going through all of that. What do y'all think? I mean, I think she might have blown a gasket. Because <laughs> it would have been coming from all angles. You know, back then, like like you were talking before social media, like it took a couple months for magazines to, you know, come out with certain, you know, reviews and things like that. So you had at least some time to kind of brace yourself. Now it's like you put the album out at midnight, within five minutes I'm getting reviews about your project. So it would have been like, hold within on. Within five minutes, getting... which is like at 12.05, you have not heard the but whole album. You ain't heard the whole project. And you come like, at me you with... you already reviewing the whole thing. Right. You in my comments saying... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I think in this day and age, it's like, it's really hard to kind of brace yourself for that because everything is so quick. You know, people can just critique stuff so fast. And yeah, I think Lauren would would have been, you know, it would have blew a gasket, I think, for her in this day and age because people now, man, it's like, as soon as something happens, it's like within two or five minutes, it's up on the post. It's up on the on the stories and people sharing things. And it's like, like you said, Miss, like, yo, you didn't even give this album a chance yet. Like, you got a short attention span. And I feel like in this day and age, we do have short attention spans, hence why albums are going from, what, it was like 12 to 14 joints and now like five to six joints. You know what I mean? And even for artists that, you know, want to give us like double discs, I feel like some artists are afraid to do so because they feel like it would fall on deaf ears yes. if they did that. And that's why Kendrick's album that just came out last year, that's why that was big too. Because he was like, no, y'all getting a full dose. Like, y'all getting a full dose. I don't care. Y'all getting this double disc in this five album, five song album era. Like, no, you getting it. So I feel like in this day and age, like artists don't even get a chance to really brace themselves for the critique nowadays because of, you know, technology and people are able to have a microphone and speak on things that they don't even have no ground to really speak on because they're not really living it. They're not really living being an artist or a journalist. Because, you know, me and Mitch, we talk about that, like this hip hop journalism. I feel like everybody feel like they are journalists. Man, you you not know Elliot Wilson? Like, calm down. Like, Calm down, like, like chill, like play your position, you know, be be a fan, be a be a customer, you know what I mean? Like chill. So I everybody's like, an A and R, everybody's a record exec, everybody right. is the greatest songwriter, the member, the well, high member, the songwriters right. council, or whatever. Like, but yeah, I would have did this beat like that. I would have put the hook right here. Like, come on, man. 
I think I told y'all that one line uh, my boy Mez wrote for Dre on the song Deep Water on Compton. Uh, Would you look over Picasso's shoulders and tell him about his brush strokes? Those opinions, I don't trust those. Like, Mm. the person that would, you know, I, I think I've, well, I told y'all another egregious on the is, is the ego your amigo episode last year. I told y'all that whole situation as we started the episode. But um, no, on this, uh, I've, I've I've been in other rooms, not with Dre and different people. I'm thinking of where an individual is literally telling. I'm making this up. This is not who it happened with, but I don't think Ninth would mind me just throwing his name in here for uh, an example. Watching Ninth chop up a sample, putting stuff together, and DJ such and such, who has never put out an ounce or a stitch of music, is telling Ninth, yeah, nah, it got to come harder than that. That ain't it. Like, it, it can't be... Is and every and every and, and everyone would look at each other in the room that this actually happened in. Everyone looked at the person that brought that nigga and was like, "Why you do that? Why you bring who the fuck? Why you bring who the fuck? Like, what is what is we doing? Like, and then what I don't realize, I don't know if that person realizes what you don't know is you're never getting invited to this studio again." It's not just the the idiot you brought with you, bro. You're never coming back here again. To this day, I've been to that studio. Sometimes in joking matter, hey, you heard from such and such? Cause like it turned into something totally. Listen, it's nigga, don't don't bring that person. And it's like, you know what I mean? I don't know what to say, but no, everyone with an opinion thinks that their opinion is law. They don't even think that it's valid. They think it's law. It's a wild space. It's like the wild, wild west. It's a cowboy era we're in. And um, this is like a slant rhyme correlation, but I had a homeboy in a very nice studio the other day and he was in there with a few of the homies, actually, but he's who I'm closer to. And um, in that studio, they was like, hey, why? You don't know no chicks that work at Nordstrom's? I was like, I'm sorry? They're like, yeah, if I- I'm just, I'm not talking to a girl if she does anything in the entertainment industry, if she has a blue check, if she has a fake body, if she has fucking any set of, I think I'm that bitch. I'm not fucking with her. I just want, what happened to the girl? You, you don't know no girls that's just in college? Not stripping to put themselves through college. Like, what happened to the fucking girls? What happened to the, just the ladies, the women? Like, I'm off it. Like, and he's saying this, but the guys behind him in the studio was like, hey, and if you find one that work at shit, let me show my age. If you find some more Mervyn's hoes and shit, if you find you some, <laughs> if you find you some old uh, J.C. Penny ass working niggas, huh? Let them, like, send them our way. Like, 
a lot of these, a lot of people are tired of the commonplace person. The, I think the, the slant rhyme comparison to that is every girl with a set of fake lashes thinks she's Cardi. You know what I'm trying to say? Like every girl that's ever put a mic in front of her think that they the city girls now. And it's like, honey, no, you just you just came to L.A. L.A. Ain't, LA ain't even had its way with you yet. You understand me? Like and when I say L.A. in that world, I'm talking about the L.A. industry, which is Hollywood, not L.A. people. Hollywood. Hollywood ain't had its way with you yet. And like Jerry Seinfeld said, Hollywood is undefeated. Hollywood is undefeated. I don't care if you're Jerry Seinfeld or a rapper bad bitch. You know what I'm saying? Whoever you might be. Take it slow. Indiari. Uh, slow down, baby. Running too fast. Head on the and feet on the gas. You about to wreck your future. Running from your past. You got to slow down. You know, you got to slow that shit down because you will go fast and fast money go fast. Fast living catches up and then takes you over. It's faster than you, right? Like, again, why I'm not into virality or moments, I'm always thinking about legacy. You want a slow burn. You want a feelings so deep in my feelings what they wrote in 2015 and became the biggest song of 2018 but that's what happens when you make good music it's timeless it doesn't matter they didn't update one sound from 2015 to 2018 because they put their all into it the first time okay like it's it's a very interesting concept four steps how much people like four steps off my album Written in 2003, came out in 2019. A timeless sounding record. And it's the number one spent outside of uh, you, uh, uh, your sound. You still belong in my world. That's the uh, ninth and Terrace. Outside of the ninth and Terrace produced one, the You Got Me, Four Steps is the biggest streamed song, the biggest bought song on my album. And that's a 20 now, 2003. 2003 is when I wrote it. It's 2023. It's a 20-year-old song. Today, it's the, the second biggest song that I've put out. I don't know. I don't know. And as you were yeah. talking, I was, just, I was just thinking about like how it's different when you get a meal out of the crock pot as opposed to getting something from the fast food joint. You know what I mean? Like the meal in the crock pot, it's been stewing for eight hours. The season is is all up in the meat, you know what I'm saying? And when you take that out that crock pot, it's tender, it's hitting on a whole nother level. But when you get something from falling off the bone, right, falling off the bone, all that eating the gristle, man, no, that's me, I eat the gristle. I'll eat the gristle. But um, yeah, yeah. See, that's why we family. See, we eat the gristle around here. We eat the gristle around here. But if you get something from fast food, it's all thrown together. You eat it, and then by just say you ate it at 12, at 6 o'clock, you hungry again. Yes. And that's why it's like, since we're talking about music, I feel like artists need to really think about like really pacing themselves. Like it's okay because at the end of the day, you want to be 
an artist. That's a legacy artist. You don't want to just be a, a run-of-the-mill artist. Like, oh, yeah, I remember her back in 2023, 2023. But you want to still be that artist where you were just really invested in your craft, really invested in putting out good music, and you can still be torn 10 years down the line. Hence, like, I was listening to an interview, and they asked Currency, like, yo, how you become, like, the richest independent rapper? Like, he's, like, the richest independent rapper. Mm -hmm. And he basically kind of said, like, yo, like, built a community. Period. Since, like, 2000, since 2009. I've been putting out project after project. I've been just really building this jet life community, and I'm still eating to this day. So hmm. he was like, yo, hopefully y'all take a, a page out of my book yeah. and really build y'all brands. Like, it's... I know the internet is telling you or the, the streaming, whatever platform, how you rush the music or whatever the case may be, but take a page out of the legacy artists like Jay-Z and Nas and these other cats that really built their brands up. And you'll last the test of time and not be forgotten. Trust me, you won't be forgotten right. if you do. I can't get off of this for some reason. Um, but going back to Lauren Hill, one thought that I was um, thinking about as we were talking about that earlier was, especially in light of mental health awareness and what we were talking about in terms of self-transitioning, do y'all think that we would still have Lauren if she had to go through everything that artists now have to go through during her message, during the run for miseducation? That's a good question. It, um, I feel as though, like, she would have dropped the album, she would have dropped the project, but I feel like she would have been, like, really, like, clapping back at people to the point where I feel like it would have distracted her from the artistry. You know, I feel like, because she's very, from what I've observed over the years, she's very protective of her pieces, of her music. And I feel like in this day and age, and if she had to go through what some of the artists go through now, I feel like Lauren would have been very uh, frightened for her, her music in a sense. Like, and I feel like we, I feel like she would have been like distracted from actually really enjoying the, the rollout of the album. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm fighting this person. I'm fighting this Twitter post here. And, you know, this person coming at my neck. And then I got this one person that I feel like is a stalker. Well, I mean, we saw that with Invasion of Privacy, didn't we? Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. Yes. And um, I just feel like a lot of those artists from back then probably would have been having, like, a difficult time managing like people like just coming at him so so fast, you know what I mean? Where like I said before, like back in the day, like when the source was thinking about giving you like five mics, you probably didn't know for like maybe what, ninety days or something. And then you look, you open up the magazine, oh snap, I got five mics. <laughs> so then it's like, all right, cool. But nowadays it's like like I said before, like people are relentless. Yeah. Yeah, you've already got all the articles out by the, 6 a.m. By 6 a.m. By that time, all the blogs will have posted. Y'all feeling this? 
Right. And he'd be like, yo, I didn't even have a chance to enjoy my rollout. Yeah. Like, I was about to have another listening event. Like, come on, y'all. Like, I'm throwing a monkey wrench into how I want to enjoy my art. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of artists, and I don't know if you guys can speak to this, but I feel like a lot of artists nowadays don't really enjoy like the rollout because of that. Hmm. Um, I think who was I listening to? I think it was was it NLE Chopper? One of them guys, mm-hmm. one of them rappers. And he was basically saying, like, yo, like, y'all didn't give it a, a a chance for my album to breathe yet. Yeah. I y'all hate that. Y'all didn't even hear the joint yet. Really, really take the time to really sit with them, y'all all and I feel like artists nowadays um don't really enjoy sometimes the rollouts of that album because like people are just so not not willing to take in albums and really embrace them first before they just come out and say what they need to say. I feel like some artists just don't really enjoy period. They they don't mm-hmm. enjoy the process. They don't enjoy how like you're talking about how instantaneous the the criticism, not the feedback, but the criticism is. And um, I know that was a topic in a lot of love lounges not long ago in, you know, love culture based on the Oscar dress. You know what I'm saying? Uh, from Sierra and everything, after party dress. And um, I kept hearing certain people interchangeably use criticism with feedback as if they were the same thing. And when I'm, you know, I'm a wordsmith, so I'm like, let me just look up the word criticism. Inherent in the meaning of criticism, not critique and not feedback, there is a negative connotation, which is why when you want to refer to non-negative criticism, you call it constructive, right? You need to compound word it. You need to make something in front of it to make it not feel as negative as the word by itself has a tendency to be. So people today have a tendency to take the fun, the actual enjoyment out of creating product that people poured their actual hearts into, their their designs into, uh, what you needed, not what you wanted. Um, I think about a Frankie Beverly who, he doesn't sing to try to impress. He just sings because it fits. Happy feeling. You know, he lets, he gives it time for the music to breathe. Just happy feelings. But he don't do like the, you're not going to get a bunch of stuff from him. I up myself. Yeah. You know, he just, it's just very easy. It's like a, it's like a. That's the rule. He brings you into, like he, he just changes the atmosphere. Thank you. That's what he does. His sound is like lighting a joyful incense and watching it unfurl and waft into the air. Like he's a funkier, brighter Sade 
it's more movement to it and it's more groove, even though like no ordinary love, shit got groove to it, you know, cherish the day. It the 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 mood the music moves, don't get me wrong. The music moves. Helen of Sade herself, though, is very. Didn't I tell you what I believe? You know what I mean? Like she's just hanging because Sade is a band. She is a instrument in that band. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Frankie Beverly gives you that in You Make Me Happy. That's why all of the background singers like to try to sing his music at the open mics because he leaves so much room for the dance, for you to get a dance partner, for the feeling. Like you say, he brings you into a feeling. Adding him into something feels like potpourri. You know what I mean? Like it feels like, okay, you've added vanilla patchouli potpourri. Like this just happened right here. It's it's unmistakable when it happens. It feels amazing when it happens, but I don't think that you're putting him against your favorite male vocalist. I don't think anyone listens to Frankie Beverly and be like, ooh, could he outsing Luther? Let's just say. You know that? Because when we what what we love about that artist is different from what we love about this artist. The difference back in the day, and we said this recently with the real, we were talking about hip hop. The difference with now and back in the day, we had the options of artists. We could choose to be vocally serenaded by the dynamics of Luther or Elder Barge or uh, Barry White. We had that depth. We, we, we had the Whispers as a group. We had Earth, Wind and Fire as a group. The Isleys. We... None of those people I just named sound alike. None of them. And we had them as options. Today, we just don't have that many options. And it's not because I deal, I work with artists all the time. It's not because the artists don't exist, in my opinion. It's not because the artists don't exist. I think there's a. Um, it's the marketing and the industry chasing a trend or a sound or whatever. I'm trying to sell you a product. Every time, every time products, ad placements come in your, your YouTube video, your inbox, on your, your mail, your, your uh, uh, timeline, on any of your social media, you're not running to it. You're running from it because it's always an icky feeling to feel sold at. Never feels good. What happens when you take the entire music industry, especially where hip hop is concerned, and do that? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I see how, and I don't know how a, a, a Lauren Hill with mental health would have done in an era like now. I don't think it, I, I think she found a challenge having and finding enjoyment back then. And like you say, with Invasion of Privacy, such an apropos name for an album, I think with the Invasion of Privacy that the collective bullying so funny how bullying in and of itself, especially cyberbullying, is a federal offense. Y'all know that, right? Cyberbullying is a federal offense, especially if it happens scholastically in, your, in schools, right? With kids and stuff like that. That fans being able 
to see a celebrity walking outdoors and can put up a camera to them and automatically taunt and say, oh, but you can't hit me. You can't hit me or I'll sue. Like, that's not cyberbullying because they're uploading it, by the way. And now you're asking like a, a person not to be triggered when you don't know what type of day they just had. They could have heard the worst news in their life before that. Or just with artists and like we talked about already, Banks, who knows what could have been going on in Banks' personal life while everybody's asking him, demanding from him all this music. We don't know. You understand? But that's the point. Because we don't know, why don't we just treat people good? And then, of course, as we're tying this up with a beautiful bow, that's why love culture just does good for no good reason. We don't wait. We don't need to be told. We don't need somebody to be hurt, to have a mental breakdown or to self-transition before we as the masterminds, we as love culture, any of it, before we're already just being of service, in service, because it's who we are. The good of what we are is already in what and who we are. And I, and I, I appreciate my brother Dana and my sister Mitzen for being here with me tonight. And I'm saying that because I'm looking at this thing about to try to die. I said, uh-uh. No, no, no. Because we're going we gonna to get that little sign off real quick. You understand me? But, uh, any, and I love asking you all this because uh, you guys say some really dope stuff. I, I listened randomly back to another episode, Imposter Syndrome episode. And I said, do you, have, do you have anything you want to, you know, give Love Culture, you know, any of the listeners before we, we head off? And you guys said something. I was in the car, I think, with Soundtrack and uh, happened to be, you know, it just came on. He was like, yeah, fuck it, leave it on. And one of y'all said something. I'd have to ask him to remember. This also like a year ago. But he was like, rewind that part. I was like, I got you. And rewound that. Because like, and it was in, in your parting words. So I'll ask you again. First Dana, then Mitson. Do you have any parting words for love culture? So something that I've been just building on in my mind over these last couple of days and it's this embrace progress over perfection embrace progress over perfection because I feel like nowadays it's like again with social media and we're seeing people's lives we feel like everybody got their life in order but really they don't and we all should be striving for pro- progress Yes. Being progressive. Nobody's perfect. So if you're thinking in that way, strive to always shoot for progress and not perfection. And I would say do whatever you need to do to be grounded, to stay grounded. Um, Why I so appreciate the grounding um, part of the pod and every time you say, you know, wiggle your toes or touch your nose, and I'm like, oh, I can touch, you know, <laughs> it feels silly. And then even when I'm like doing some of my morning meditations, it doesn't necessarily call for that. But if they do say, move around, I'll find myself touch my nose and thinking of <laughs> the pod. Um, I say all that to say, you know, Spend as much time offline reflecting as possible, having real life 
interactions instead of real life interactions. Um, I don't want to read the whole thing. I'll, I'll just comment on this, but I saw, I just happened to scroll past something on Instagram and I came upon a post by Britney Spears. And um, I don't know what happened. I don't know what TMZ put out. I, I, I haven't researched any of that. But um, basically she's calling out you know, different news outlets and saying how they're like putting out trashy stories about her and disturbing content. And, you know, she's ready. She'll, she'll be ready to tell her story when she's ready. Right. You know, and I think one thing that I keep in mind with her and I've, you know, I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of and me, why I think you can relate to this too, kind of grown up with Britney in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Just because of where we are generationally. Yeah. I was never like a huge Britney fan or anything like that, but you know, observer. Um, you know, she was always there. Um, so I just, I think about her and everything that she's been through. And I'm like, I, you know, I pray that she has people around her that are good for her and that are caring yeah. for her. And also just the general sentiment that I see online in regards to her. Yeah. Like, even if she posts something that seems kind of odd, it's like, you know what? I'm going to mind my business. There you go. She's free. Let her do her thing. She's working it out. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. be kind. And that, that's, that's, um, or at least the, the community of people that I've interacted with right. online have that sentiment, you know, we're, we're not going to criticize her. We're not going to, some things are, you know, puzzling, right. but you know, she's doing her thing. Yeah. And I, I hope that we can all have that grace for whether people it's in our real life or people that we support or even just observe from yeah. afar, even if we're not like huge supporters of them or invested in their work, just be kind. And another thing um, that I kept thinking about and I wanted to say earlier in regards to putting out art or consume us consuming art that people put out. And I love a lot of what you were saying, Dana. And I think we have to learn how to kind of step into the artist's world and interpret it from their standpoint yeah. and not necessarily from ours. Of course, we have thoughts about how it interacts with our right. standpoint. Right. But, you know, going back to Kendrick, and, and that's one thing I appreciated about your initial reaction. Why? Because I remember our chat when yeah. we, uh, when that album first came out and why, <laughs> uh, Urban, you were sharing your thoughts. I was sharing my thoughts and why you were kind of quiet. And then you chimed in and then you said, you know, I'm just, I'm really sitting with this. I'm kind of letting him lead me. Yeah. In, you know, processing. Yeah. So I think, 
I think just be open to let the artist lead you into who they are and what they care about before we get on Twitter at 1210 after the album has just dropped and have a full review thread. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, people are funny. That's all I'm going to say. I love this conversation. Um, I think I need to have the masterminds back on AMP again because Love Culture really, really loved that. Um, And... Uh, I might even mess around and do a Monday again because I might have to switch some things just with my schedule and stuff like that. But ladies and gentlemen and everyone listening here on this podcast, the masterminds have spoken. I am thanking the beautiful Mitsun Okada, the incredibly awesome and talented and knowledgeable Dana Urban Counselor Lewis. And uh by time you hear, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to have you all in a love lounge after this episode drops. So then when people hear this, they'll have time to catch you. You know what I'm saying? Cause I was gonna say I could do it. I mean, we could do it next week too. Don't don't get me wrong. Just to front load people. You know what? This this is what I'll say to end on. Maybe we could time it where um, the next time there's a free radio so that we can speak to some of the new Barb loves. Listen, that, they learned me, man. That was 2,000 people worth of energy. That was, that that was a prime in, in, that, in that amp. I I classic moment. Yo, no, it was it was great when Mitzen got there. Urban was there already, and I'm so thankful for Urban. Trust me, but I think Mitzen, you are my. uh, I'm not. I I I had even forgotten what to call the thing. I I I knew like Navy. I know the beehive, the beehive, beehives, and stuff like. I I had even forgotten what the the. I was like, oh no no, what's happening? What's happening? Like it was. It was so much information at once and I didn't know what to do. So my brother went to our masterminds chat. Sis, sis, come to the love lounge. They're, they're, they're in there. She was like, wait, who? He was like, man, the barb. So I, even you had said it. it was like, you know, and she said, wait, who let them in there? Oh, barb, so come to me. No, no. We just, no. We were like, how did it happen? It was, it was, it was just funny because it's like, wait a minute, how did they all? Because Queen Radio had just ended. It had just and ended. Her, and as as we know with AMP, the next thing that is on your feed, it'll just automatically pop up. Right. So, right. Or or maybe they're just scrolling to see what else is is going on because it's like, okay, well that's done. What else can I listen to? Right. Happened to be on so. They dumped. I think it was hers is listed as hip hop. Like you have categories when you ethos oh, radio, right. you know. So mine was right. under hip hop, and it was the only other hip hop thing hip-hop. on at the time. Ah, that makes sense. So that it dumped sense. people into me, and I was playing the Yarders music. I, I was playing my boy L Seven Hayes, who had just put out his project, and I'm like, um, what, what's, what's happening right now? I, I, I was like, 
inundated in a great way, though. In a great way, though. But when Mitzen came in and knew the 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 uh, word, the, the emoji, everything, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. But it was information overload for me. And also, just just so everybody knows, we welcome the Barb's. We welcome Marty. Yeah, come Gang, on, sir. Come on, sir. Jackpots, the hotties, the icy gang, whatever, you know, all the citizens, all the fan bases are welcome. In yes. culture, there's no, there's no fighting about any of that while we're in here. No. Yeah. No. Love, love and respect. I love the um the screenshot. That might even be the uh one of the things I put on <laughs> for the for the this episode where the one barb was like oh, girl, I was trolling you, but you're so nice. So I'll be good. I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, when she said that, I was like, love wins. Love wins. Love wins. Love Love culture for the fucking win. And with that, thank you, my beautiful masterminds. Appreciation always. And for all of you loves listening in, for, for all of you on looking on YouTube, be sure to stay tuned in love culture because the love lounge will be featuring some more of the masterminds, especially in the next few weeks, just to make sure y'all are knowing that they're here and y'all can come and see them here as well. So mucho love. And let me tell y'all the masterminds, man, the masterminds, they are who they are. They said what they said. Big thanks again to Mitsun Okada and Urban Counselor. I'll be giving you their Instagram handles so you can make sure that you are keeping up with them. Or if you ever come to a love lounge on AMP on Instagram, you can always make sure to come in and now you'll have more people that you know um, and you won't feel like you're stepping into somewhere where everybody is new. All right? Um, Yeah. So now that we've come here to the YN's words of wisdom, I want to say, I've been holding on to this one for a minute. Um, I know it's hot as hell in LA. Most of these days it's been. So it might not seem like we're in spring, but we but we still are. Uh, summer solstice isn't until June 21, if I'm not mistaken. So we're still in spring. And while we're in spring, I wanted to call back something my dad said during a love lounge in 2021. And this was after my uncle, his big brother, had uh, recently passed. Um, my dad wasn't ready to be the patriarch of his family. And he was sharing with love culture how important it is to love on one another, to see one another, to be with one another as much as possible. And so YN's words of wisdom for today are from my dad with my interpretation. And I'm going to say, be where your seeds are watered. And we're going to hashtag this with dad's words of wisdom, which was, Plant happy. My dad's actual words were, 
If you sow happy seeds, you will reap a happy harvest. And he's, he mentioned those words as he was describing my uncle and his big brother who had recently passed. And as sad of a situation as it was, and through tears of reminiscing and reflection, my dad was explaining to Love Culture in the Love Lounge, you have to recognize that this life, you think it's so long. You think the days are long, the nights are short. You think that you're working your ass off, living for the weekend. You think that everything you're doing is the biggest things in the world. And you guys, in the grandest scheme of this universe, the earth is a speck to Jupiter and Jupiter is a speck to the sun. And on this speck of a speck called earth, all of us dwell. We are the littlest things, beautiful as we are. We are some of the littlest things in the entire cosmos. While we're living in relation to the universe, these little lives with our little problems as deep as they might be, you have to remember to find some time to plant happy. You plant happy seeds everywhere that you go. So when the time comes for you to call on friends, on relatives, on loves, you will have an investment bank so deep with so much stored leverage because all you've ever done was add value everywhere you've been that when you need to create and make a withdrawal in order to get some of that happy back because life is going to have its fun with you too and it'll knock you around and as I believe I can get down but I just don't stay down that's not my deal One of the ways that I don't stay down, though, is not because I'm so great. Don't get me wrong, I am. But one of the things that makes me so great is that I keep a great support system. I keep great people, great love around me. What does that take? Having great love around me takes giving a damn about humans when it's not popular. Meaning when it's not their birthdays. Meaning when it's not an anniversary. Meaning consistently. You can't give love to someone once a week and think you're in a real relationship. You are not. You can't trade comedic memes with someone and think that you're being a substantial friend. You are not. It means making time and creating space. It means giving a genuine damn 
And not because someone had to beg you for the genuine damn to be given, but because you give a fuck genuinely. But I'll tell you something also. People have a hard time caring for others in ways that they still have yet to care for themselves. One of the ways I developed love culture and raise it up why the podcast is by feeding my soul, filling my heart, and being good and true to myself. Not sometimes, all the time. Not all the time when I can remember daily. Not daily when I get the chance at the premier opportunities of my day, aka first things in the morning is an hour of YN investing into YN. Uninterrupted and unapologetic. I don't give a fuck who is on the other line. If you can't wait, if I woke up four minutes ago, if you can't wait 56 more minutes, then you need to call the emergency room. Call somebody else. I get mine off top. That's a kind of selfish I hope all of us can get into because each of us is worth our time. Each of us is looking in the mirror and finding a lot of value and somebody and something that has a lot of worth. I'm talking about immeasurable, infinite even, worth. But you keep people around you that water your seeds, and you make sure that you water others, find space and time for them, and care, like genuinely, like not because someone is asking you to, but actually consider the well-being of other people. If you are constantly consistently and continually in the places and the spaces where the seeds of you, the things that make you you, are continuously flowered, watered, valued, decorated even, seen, celebrated, You've probably lived a life of planting happy like my uncle, my late uncle, did. I want you all to know from Albert Einstein, great spirits often encounter violent opposition from mediocre minds. I'm going to say that again. Great spirits, people who have amazing spirits, we often encounter not just opposition, Violent opposition, not from other spirits, great or otherwise, but from mediocre minds. There are going to be a lot of people who don't understand why favor favors you. There are going to be a lot of people who can't seem to grasp why you shine so bright, why you are so good why you're such a pleasure to be around, 
There are going to be people who don't want to be around you to support and celebrate you. They want to be around you to wonder why the fuck do you keep winning and not them? Those are mediocre minds. And what's crazy is they're going to be your boss. They're going to be your supervisor. They're going to be your CEO or FO. They are going to be the billionaire angel investor whose money comes with stipulations that are beneath your energy. They're all around us. But the best thing you can do for yourself when the mediocre minds who happen to be in better placed positions for certain situations come to violently oppose you in all of your great spiritual essence, I pray that you have amazing spirits around you. People who can get down, but they don't stay down. People who are resilient. People who always point their rockets up. People who are non-traditionally awesome. People like the folks in love culture. And like the people that support what we do here on this podcast. We keep love lounges open almost around the clock. (laughs) Various times of the week, various times of day. We create that rocket fueling station for all of the great spirits who will be violently encountered by mediocre minds. They're coming. Don't be surprised. Don't act brand new when it gets there. Already have your defense. Already have your support system ready and available. It doesn't just have to be love culture. I'm giving love culture up as an invite to anybody who might not already have their own support system that possibly does water all their seeds. But the beauty of social media and having the ability to connect with people anywhere is that you cast a wider net of support than just the physical folks right around you. If you are not finding the support of your great spirit where you are, loves listening and onlooking, I implore you, encourage you, and once again invite you into love culture. Come to some love lounges. You don't have to interact if you don't want to or feel like it. At Raise It Up Why on Instagram will tell you where all of the next ones are. That is at R-A-I-S-E-I-T-U-P-W-Y. And all of the love say rockets up on these hoes. And we say that just because we recognize low vibrating, a.k.a. ho energy is all around all of us. So if it happens to make its way past our defenses and our boundaries, and can possibly discourage us or encourage us to feel less than amazing and great. We already have one another to lean on outside of, how about in addition to 
our physical support systems. Having a bunch of people helping you hold the greatness that is your spirit is the exact opposite of what we talked about in Kendrick's crown, where it said heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown. What happens when it's not just one head holding up the crown? What happens when you have a bunch of sets of hands holding the weight atop your head along with you standing tall? The crown can't get that heavy at that point. With community, the crown is never that heavy. And you build amazing community by being where your seeds are watered. And we also use the hashtag plant happy in memory of my beautiful uncle. And thankfully, with that, we are getting into. A little bit of what we call pay your dues. So I want y'all to know at the time that I'm recording this, it is May 19th. Today is not only Malcolm X's birthday, it is my brother. In heaven's birthday. And the amazing part about that is pay your dues segment. Every episode of this podcast is my way of incorporating the man who introduced me to hip hop in my podcast about hip hop and wellness. (laughs) So happy birthday to my brother, Wayne. I can do better than that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday from Ruth. Happy birthday, my brother Wayne. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Uh, You already know what it is. Pay your dues. We always, first and foremost, say we love to do more than we knew. This entire look in my herses today, if you are on looking, you see me playing with these three by Felicia ass braids. But I think they cute, so I kept them in. Holla. Uh, For my cousin... Uh, Maya Smith, CEO and founder of The Do, MC even, master of curl of The Do. I have one product and one product only in my hair. It is crazy, sexy, curl, foaming spray from the Bee Girl Collection. It is super charged with honey, all in one setting foam. It detangles, it conditions, it defines, it holds... And it shines, shining, 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 yeah. All of this honey, yeah. All of this honey. <laughs> okay. Um. Also, it is May. Happy birthday to who is on my shirt, whose head holds the crown. 
in my top five. I don't know about y'all's, but hot, sicker than your average. Um, Biggie Smalls is the uh, 21st, if I'm not mistaken, is his birthday. So happy birthday early to Biggie. Uh, but yeah, I love the do more than you knew on Instagram at I-L-O-V-E-T-H-E-D-O-U-X at L at I-L-O-V-E-T-H-E-D-O-U-X. Again, that is the crazy, sexy, curl, honey-infused foam setting spray. Um, the Mitson, Okadas, and Urban Counselors of the Masterminds are up next in this pay your dues. Mitson, M-I-T-Z-E-N-O-K-A-D-A. M-I-T-Z-E-N. O-K-A-D-A at Mitzen Okada. Again, that is the resident Psy-D, the doctorate of psychology degree holder of love culture and urban counselor at U-R-B-A-N underscore counselor. Urban and counselor spell correctly, bro. Just talking into your phone like this is ridiculous. Um, And you can catch Urban on AMP at Ethos Radio where he does a lot of sharing amazing boom bap East Coast music like he loves with awesome points and pointers about mental health awareness, uh, emotional intelligence he's been on for a while, but he's also talked about other mental health topics that have been really amazing to listen to. He engages us in dialogue and discussion and conversation. What a great hang in Ethos Radio with Urban Counselor. Uh, number four, for literally no reason at all, is the meditator of Love Culture at C-R-E-D, C-R-E-D underscore the number 13. Um, C-Red, if you're looking for any of her music online. Uh I play her almost every time I'm on uh, the Love Lounge radio show on AMP because I just admire this woman's hustle. Uh, not only is she a real lyricist, like a, a freaking bona fide lyricist, uh, man, C-Red is a good human who dedicates her life as a medical doctor and a wife and a lyricist to each facet of what she does. I mean, she's a whole person, so she clearly has more roles than that. But I love, uh, I said this in the Love Lounge a couple of weeks ago, I love assisting people who you can literally see from the outside looking in are doing all they can in every single area. It is so refreshing when you see it because it's so uncommon, unfortunately, you more often will get like the top of this year, people who look for handouts in this industry, people who look for the keys to this industry. And when you give it to them, they say, yeah, but can you take me to all the doors and then try each of the keys for me and then vouch for me and I, when I get in the door so that all the people that you know can can be my friends too? Nigga, no, no. And C-Red has absolutely never done any weirdo thing. And I just appreciate her as a lyricist. I'm not saying that just because she's nice. No, she's 
nice. Come to the Love Lounge on AMP sometime and listen because we play her almost every time we're in there and she's outstanding. Um, last but never least, at R-A-I-S-E-I-T-U-P-W-Y and the Rockets up on these hoes comes after that. Um, everything that reaches right to me regarding this podcast can be obtained by putting R-A-I-S-E-I-T-U-P-W-Y even in Google. If, if you put at Raise It Up Y in Google, you will literally find everything that I'm associated with. So, y'all, I'm completely happy uh, that you all have had this moment with the masterminds, having our master plans. You understand? Um, again, if you're talking about plans, plan to be in Los Angeles July 13th. Um, you would think that the venue would be a little easier to secure because it's not a very popular time of year. However, uh, by next episode, I for sure will have more information about where you can make sure you are uh, coming when you get to Los Angeles and more information there. Uh, also, just be looking on Raise It Up Why Instagram. Uh, more updates will be there. Uh, for our Love Lounge live experience. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being yourselves. And I found my Kate Spade ring. I'm so excited and happy about it. So now I get to sign off the proper way. Stay real, real. Boo-boo. Keep it on Raise it up, why? He raise it up, why? He raise it up, why?